Welcome to Table Flippers Podcast, outreach of Greater Worship Christian Church here in Lancaster, California. I am your host, Robert Enos, along with Chippy the Chipmunk. Oh, my adoring fans. Get ready for a huge dose of reality and a huge dose of common sense. How are you all doing, ladies and gentlemen? I hope you're doing well. I hope you're having a good Friday. Um, (laughs) This is not Good Friday, but it is a good Friday. The uh, weather is a little bit cooler than it has been. You know, it's funny. I was, uh, you know, um, just as disturbed as most everybody when we had these triple digits for such a long time and such high. Our, our, our weather was super hot here. I believe it was up to like 109, 110 one day not too long ago. And of course, you know, it's just so predictable. Uh, every time there's any kind of real weather, hot weather, or cold weather, all the politicians and the media starts jumping on it and saying, oh, it's global warming, global change, climate change, we're headed into an ice age. Oh, no, we changed our mind. We're headed into a, a major warming pattern, and we're all going to die. We're all going to, you know, the, the, uh, the ice caps are going to melt, and sea levels are going to rise, and we're all going to die. As a matter of fact, they're rising right now. And then you look at some pictures, and you could try this, ladies and gentlemen. You could try this. This is really kind of fun in a way just get online and google um, some vintage historical photographs say from venice italy or maybe some other ocean town or building or whatever you know and look at it from a hundred years ago and then look at them for today and you'll notice something really interesting and powerful the water level is still the same Venice, Italy, if you guys don't know that, that's basically cities, a big city that was built on a bunch of tiny little islands uh, off the coast of Italy. And what's interesting, check this out, ladies and gentlemen, this will make your blood boil. What's really interesting about this, that every now and then they get flooding there, granted, when the tides are doing something really strange, but that's rare. But what's really interesting is they've actually proven that these islands and thus the buildings and such on these islands are actually sinking because uh, you can't really see the island anymore. It's all concrete, stone, buildings, and old, heavy buildings, right? So it's causing these small, tiny islands to actually sink a little bit. So I want you to think about this. If the island is actually sinking from all the weight and, and use of those islands, And the water levels are rising because, remember, we're destroying the polar bear's ice cap and all that water is going into the ocean and ocean levels are rising. I mean, you know, this is just common knowledge, ladies and gentlemen. This is follow the science. So you got the island sinking and the water rising all at the same time. Wouldn't it make sense that those buildings would be at least partially underwater? That those buildings, at least on the ground level or what used to be ground level, are no longer inhabitable. That all the sidewalks and uh, all of that would be underwater. My wife and I was actually in Venice, Italy uh, just a few short years ago. And we didn't have to trump through water. We walked on the sidewalks. Now, there was water down in the canal, of course. Boats on them, of course. But we were perfectly fine. The water was right where it was about 100 years ago. So this whole idea of global warming and the melting ice caps and all that, I personally, I don't buy it. I really don't buy it, you know, uh, because, again, follow the science. So for today, for just a moment, I will follow the science. I remember just, uh, I don't know, this goes back maybe four years ago, five years at most, when they were really showing these satellite pictures of a portion of the you know, the North Pole up in the north and how um, the ice sheets were breaking off and melting so fast. And they were showing it, you know, on this day, it was here. On this day, it was a little bit smaller. On this day, a little bit smaller. And this huge ice shelf broke off and is floating away in in the uh, North Atlantic. And they say, this is proof of this global warming and and rising sea levels and oh we're all gonna die but what was funny in those photographs and those little video clips is they never showed what was happening on the other side and the reason they didn't show you what was happening on the other side was because it was actually growing the ice shelf was actually growing 
on just the other side of it. Does that make sense? So, so they're showing pictures of one side. It is shrinking a little bit, but they're not showing the other side that is growing on the other side faster than the, than the first side is shrinking. So, so if you can imagine, if you can look at this, it's at the top of the world. And this even happened on the, in the South Pole. But they show you, say, the eastern side, and it's shrinking. But the western side is growing, you know, by leaps and bounds. And um, even with these triple digits that we were experiencing here even in southern california not too long ago like i said uh 105 106 all the way up to 109 110 and it was a, a true heat wave we all know this and, and then it just suddenly dipped down when i say dipped down now we're in double digits i think today was in the upper 80s uh certainly a lot cooler than it was just a week or so ago and it turns out ladies and gentlemen it turns out that the reason we experienced that heat wave the way we did was because of a volcano that erupted that had nothing, absolutely zip, zilch, zero to do with our man-made carbon footprints, ladies and gentlemen. We had nothing to do with it. A volcano decided to erupt on its own without checking with us and it just erupted spewed a bunch of gases into the atmosphere and what we experienced was a temporary a warming of uh, at least the uh, what is that the northern hemisphere but now it dropped down why because our planet did what our planet does it took care of it it gobbled up all those gases and all that a greenhouse gases that caused it to heat up and now we're back to normal and as a matter of fact for this time of year here this past week has actually been a little bit cooler than normal so put this into perspective just as things were ramping up to these horrible triple digits the media our local governments the national government you know the biden administration they all started freaking out global warming, climate change. We have to do this, do that, do the other thing, restrict our lives even more so that we don't all burn up in this furnace. But it dropped down, at least here, to a little bit below the norm for this time of year. And nobody said anything about that. All of a sudden, all the media and the politicians, the officials suddenly just went quiet. Hmm, isn't that interesting, ladies and gentlemen, how they have no problem trying to push this fear on all of us to control us, to get more tax dollars out of us. But when things go the other way, I don't know, did you ever get a, a tax refund from all the nonsense that they've been taxing us to try to stop this global warming and now suddenly it just gets a little bit cooler? Did you get a tax refund? Well, I certainly didn't. If you did, please call and tell them that they forgot mine or call and tell me so that I can call them and say, hey, they forgot mine. You've been taxing us like crazy um, for, you know, using water and using, uh, you know, all this stuff, even driving cars in California, especially Southern California is so expensive because we're taxed, 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 taxed to have the cleanest burning cars with the cleanest gas, <coughs> excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, but the cleanest gas so that we don't burn up the atmosphere and we're paying for it because we also have the highest taxes uh, on our gasoline, uh, highest taxes when we go and register our cars and uh, the worst running cars because everything, they try to get it so clean that the cars can't run as efficiently as they really should. And we're paying for it through the nose and they're constantly making it worse and worse and worse on us. And now that it suddenly just got a little bit cooler, yes, ladies and gentlemen, a little bit cooler, not because of the tax dollars they took from us, not because of the restrictions they put on our cars, not because of the restrictions they put on our lives, but because a volcano, despite it, uh, decided to spew out its hot, toxic gases. No, I am not talking about a Biden rally. I'm talking about an actual volcano with actual gases and actual toxic fumes coming out of it. Not just a, you know, President Biden that fits that description as well, or any other um, <laughs> Democrat uh, 
politician. Anyways, let me get off of that. I didn't even really come on here to tell you about that. I just, it just kind of hit me because I'm standing here in my little studio. I have my tiny little swamp cooler blowing out some semi-cool air. And about two weeks ago, that little swamp cooler would have done virtually nothing because it was so hot. Virtually nothing to cool down this uh, house. I don't have a big place. But um, now, right now, it's keeping it at a real comfortable 74, 75 degrees. So it's, um, you know, hey, I, I, I'm looking for the check in the mail to get some of my tax dollars back because apparently they took too much. They charge, they, they've been taxing us so that w- because they say we're the problems when in one day a volcano spews out enough gas to do what we couldn't do in a hundred years. Hmm. Isn't that interesting, ladies and gentlemen? So when are they going to go cap up all the volcanoes in the world and leave us alone? Anyways, I'd like to see them try that. But what I really want to talk to you about is, well, there's an article in that I want to read to you and share with you. Uh, I did a episode just recently about what's going on in, I believe, what, what did I say, Seattle. Anyways, all the nonsense that's going on up there, up in the uh, Pacific Northwest in some of these areas, and these liberal-run um, communities, liberal-run cities and states where crime is going crazy, and they're asking for things or demanding, you know, defund the police. We're going to get rid of the police department and, and get more community services, more, more uh, people that can go out there and deal with uh, mental illness and, and such, because that's what we need. Unarmed people that with a big smile on their face and a big heart, and they can just go give these people a hug so they won't commit crime. And in all of these cities that that's been tried, crime is going up exponentially. And that's what this um, article is about in a roundabout way. This article is again out of Daily Wire, and it's entitled Anarchy and Chaos. Female Seattle cop with 23 years on the force sends scathing resignation letter. Violent crime remains high in Seattle. This is by, uh, ooh, hopefully I can say this name correctly, May Reed Alordi. Um, I've never seen a name spelled like this. M-A-I-R-E-A-D. May Reed Alordi. Hopefully I'm at least in the ballpark. And this was published today, actually, August 11th, 2023. And it says, A female Seattle cop with 23 years on the force sent a scathing resignation letter blasting the city for allowing crime and anarchy to take over. Seattle Police Lieutenant Jessica Taylor, who retired on August 1st after more than two decades on the force, refused to complete the standard exit interview form and instead penned a blistering 15-page letter to police chiefs, or to the police chief, KTTH's uh, Jason Rance show reported. Chief Diaz, let me tell you, the state of the Seattle Police Department and this city is a disgrace, Taylor began her letter. The toxic mix of the Seattle uh, City Council's absurdity, the spinelessness of the mayor, The leniency of the prosecutor's officer and your failed leadership have accelerated this city's downhill slide straight to rock bottom, she wrote. The problems were already brewing before you came on the scene, but since your arrival, it has been a free fall into anarchy and chaos. I am sad to say that, um, ladies and gentlemen, former Seattle Police Lieutenant Jessica Taylor is not just writing about what's going on or has been going on in Seattle. I know she's directly writing about what's going on in Seattle, but this is going on in every major Democrat-run city in America. Crime is accelerating. It's getting completely out of hand and they are doing so little to stop it. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. In one of my last episodes, uh, I, I spoke about what's going on in Chicago, Seattle, these different places, how crime is going up crazy. You know, and and the mayor of um, of uh, Chicago went out there. They the police. He sent out the police. The way this article was written, he sent out the police to put a stop to these teen mobs that take over portions of the city and they're violent and they're looting and all that and the and the Chicago Police Department arrested 40 young people and 
he praised them for being sensitive. He, he, he praised the police department for being sensitive to these young people. I, 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 was, I was dumbfounded because, like I said, I looked at, like I said in that episode, I looked at the picture of this, this what appeared to be a man who was acting anything but like a man. And um, I don't know. Is he like the Dylan Mulvaney of, of uh, politicians, especially in that area? I don't know. But, you know, he praised the police department for arresting violent teenagers he praised them not for arresting them he didn't praise them for stopping the violence he praised them for being sensitive towards these young people i mean and then we wonder why crime's on the rise because when people who should be not so sensitive are forced to be sensitive well that does not put the fear of god in these criminals nor the fear of the police department because they have nothing to be afraid of anyways let me continue reading this article i will get through this today it says violent crime remains high in seattle this year after hitting a 15-year high in 2022 so far this year seattle has seen 28 homicides more than 1,500 aggravated assaults, more than 3,700 car thefts, more than 4,000 burglaries, and more than 10,700 larceny thefts, according to police data. If you haven't noticed, the criminals are running the city, Taylor wrote. Aren't you embarrassed? I am. It's mortifying. The city that once prided itself on progressiveness and prosperity has now become a hotbed for crime and anarchy. But again, that's the problem. And, I, and I'm not so sure if, if Lieutenant or former Lieutenant Jessica Taylor understands this. But the mere fact that the city did go progressive, that's extreme left-leaning liberalism that the Democrat Party is embracing now today, ladies and gentlemen, has led to this. So when a city is being prosperous and, and it's safe and things are going, and then they say decide, hey, by the way, um, we're going to go very progressive. Well, it isn't long until... Because you see, the criminal mindset understands that kind of language. So when you have a Democrat-controlled city and they put out there, we are progressive... All the criminals go, we love that because that means they're going to be easy on crime. They're not going to fund the police the way they should. And we, the criminals, can get away with more. That's how it works. It happened in the Bay Area in San Francisco. It's happening in the Pacific Northwest, such as Seattle. It's happened in Los Angeles. It's happened in New York City. And it's happened in every in Chicago. It's happened in every major city that's run by Democrats. It's like the criminals come out of the word work and even though they were criminals before, now they're like super criminals because they're not afraid. They just, they lose their fear. They're not afraid. You know, they're gonna, they can go do something horrible and get a little slap on the wrist. Like it's unfortunate, but here in Los Angeles County, which I'm part of, people can walk into a store and just grab things off the rack and walk out. There was that famous video that was going around everywhere on the internet just recently where a group of young people, again, all these teenagers, just walked in. I, I, it was an, uh, you know, um, a, a high-level store, you know, and they walked in, just was grabbing things and walking out, and nobody stopped them. Nobody. Nobody stopped them. And they just walked away. And we see this all the time. Even, we, we have sold it since then, but we had a coffee shop here, Butler's Coffee, best coffee in the world, by, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, now Generations Coffee. But while it was still in our hands, before we sold it, it got vandalized. Somebody came and spray painted all over the front glass in the front of our building. Um, you know, I'm not going to say what they, what they spray painted because it was not kind. I don't use that kind of language. And they posted... Um, some you know papers they stuck them on the glass and everything that we were homophobic and transphobic and racists and all of that and um, we have it all on video we have it all on video we even got the license plate number and the make and model of the car that the gentleman who did it stepped out of and did you know that the the uh, sheriff's department came right out they were very helpful in this regard, but they says, how much do you think that is? I'm like, well, it's not going to cost us hardly anything. It's on the glass. We can clean it up fairly, fairly easy. And they were frustrated, the, our sheriff's deputies, because if we could not prove 
that it cost us over a certain amount of money to um, clean it up, fix it up and everything. They couldn't do anything. They just could not do anything. Even though we had the license plate, the car, the make, the model, and, and you could see him vandalizing this store. Couldn't do anything about it. And I can't blame our sheriff's department. I can't blame our sheriff's deputies. This is coming down from the uh, Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors and uh, the, uh, what is it they call him, the prosecutor, whatever he is down there, the DA's office, district attorney's office, where they're not even going to, they're not going to prosecute anybody unless it's like $1,000 or more. See how ridiculous that is? So what does that tell you about all these criminals, especially these, uh, you know, these just petty thieves? They can walk into the local television or, you know, like a Best Buy or something, grab a television and walk right out. And as long as that television wasn't more than $1,000, and that may even even been changed by now, but if it's not more than $1,000, nobody's allowed to stop them. And as a matter of fact, many of these businesses are even firing employees for trying to stop them or even calling the cops. That's how ridiculous all of this has become. And I don't understand it. I really don't understand it. But let me finish this, ladies and gentlemen. Let me get back into this. Uh, it says, uh, Taylor accused Adrian Diaz, the police chief, of having an insatiable appetite for control that blinds him to the sacrifices of officers facing dangers on the street. She also accused the police chief of badging his way to the front of a Taylor Swift concert where people paid $1,000 to be there. Now, I already know that there's mental problems with this police chief there in Seattle. This is really sad that somebody is in that position with this kind of mental issues and problems that he actually used his badge to uh, get seats at a Taylor Swift concert. Any grown man that's going to a Taylor Swift concert, I mean, I'd expect that of a, you know, eight to maybe 12 year old girl, but any grown man, especially somebody in a position such as police chief of a major city here in the United States of America, going to see a Taylor Swift concert and he was he didn't want to pay for it. At least that was the smartest thing. At least he didn't pay for it. But he flashed his badge to get in there and get a $1,000 seat according to the, the way this is written. And so it just shows, you know, mental Ill, illness runs deep in that city and it's made its way all the way up to the police chief's uh, position. So um, if you guys live, anybody lives in the Seattle, Washington area, I feel so sorry for you. My prayers are with you. Your city is being run by um, people... Uh, I have some choice words to describe them, but I'm just going to say that it's just run by people with some serious mental, emotional problems. So um, my prayers are with you. Let me finish this. It says, Taylor also lambasted Seattle Mayor Bruce Harrell, a Democrat. Of course, I didn't even have to know that to know, you know, have that in this article to know this guy is, this city is run by Democrats. So Seattle Mayor Bruce Harrell, a Democrat, accusing him of prioritizing political correctness over safety. Meanwhile, the Seattle City Council has lost touch with reality and is making decisions that defy common sense and basic logic, Taylor wrote. Their priority is playing politics and pandering to radical ideologies rather than genuinely serving the city and its residents' best interests, she said. Now, ladies and gentlemen, again, I want to comment on this because... We see this not just in Seattle. We see this all over. Again, we, we see this in the Bay Area horribly. You know, that's San Francisco Bay Area. We see this in Los Angeles. We see this in every major Democrat-run state um, and city and county even in the United States that these people should be, their policy should be about, uh, number one, representing you. So they should go to you. When was the last time any politician, local or otherwise, came to you or invited you to them to have some type of roundtable or sit-down discussion or town hall meeting to hear what you have to say and what you want for your city, state, or nation? That's very, very rare. Oh, they do it often just before the election cycle, and then they forget about it, and they walk away, and they do their own thing anyways. But what about the person that's in? You know, they just get in. Okay, I was elected mayor, and I want to I want to represent you because remember there there are representatives. So how can they really represent you and I if they don't talk to you and I? Think about that, ladies and gentlemen. Have some type of town hall meeting where the city 
or whoever, you know, the county, the state, whatever, is invited to come and, and given time to speak or, you know, hey, uh, maybe we don't have time for 10,000 people that showed up, but please write this down. Tell us what you want. Tell us what you like, what you don't like. Tell it, you know, so that we can take this information, put it into a real world policy and represent you the way we're supposed to. You see, they're not supposed to just go in there and do what they think is best. They're supposed to go into those positions and do what we tell them to do, what we think is best. That's what a representative does. Just like every ambassador that we send around the world, they don't go with their own agenda. They go there with the agenda of the United States of America and they represent the United States of America and they do what we send them to do. And, and we, in, in, in other words, when I say we, the, the, whoever's in charge at that time, the president at that time, sends them to represent them when they can't be there. And, you know, it's like, oh, the president of the United States said this. Whether they agree with it or not or like it or not, they're supposed to represent in that regard. Same thing with our mayors. So our mayors, our governors and such, who are they supposed to represent? You and I. When was the last time you ever were able to sit down or t- talk or dial- have dialogue with your mayor or your city council and tell them what you want? And even if you have had that The question I would have next, so did they do what you want them to do? Did they take the collective voice of the city and say, well, that's what we're going to do because that's what the city, for the most part, as a whole, wants, whether they like it or not. Anyways, just a thought, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Where am I? I almost lost my place here. It goes on to say, um, so I walked away. This is Taylor writing this again. So I walked away from the Seattle Police Department. I do so with my head held high, knowing that I stood up for what is right and refused to be silenced, she wrote. My conscience is clear, and I have no regrets about speaking out against the failed leadership that has brought this department and this city to its knees. And and that's when we see all these problems, when we see crime rising and the basically the criminals in charge, ladies and gentlemen, it's because of weak leadership, absolute weak leadership. They can make all the excuses they want. Don't believe their excuses. Don't believe their lies. The criminals are running the show because our failed leaders are allowing it to happen. This article goes on to say, Seattle is not the only West Coast city struggling with the trifecta of crime, homelessness, and drug addiction. Harrowing scenes of hopeless or homeless people engaging in open-air drug use and living in filth on city streets continue to come out of the neighborhoods most in need of help. Los Angeles is seeing a drop in overall violent crime, but personal theft is up 15% to more than 19,700 thefts so far this year, according to police. Meanwhile, Homelessness is up 10% this year, according to the latest count released this month. Los Angeles County's homeless population rose. Get this, ladies and gentlemen. Los Angeles County's homeless population rose to about 75,518 people, up from 69,144 people in 2022. Now, I knew we had a terrible uh, homeless problem here in Los Angeles County. I had no idea that the homeless population alone was that of a, you know, small to medium-sized city. We have a city of homelessness within the city and within the county, I should say. 75,000 people homeless in Los Angeles County. We're going to have to do some discussions about the homeless problem here in not only in America, but especially up here. Because ladies and gentlemen, it isn't what many people think. It isn't just people out there that lost their job and couldn't pay their bills and was maybe evicted. That, of course, happened with many of them. But there's an underlying cause. And they say, yeah, it's it's a mental illness. Well, it is, but something brought on that mental illness. At least here, What I've experienced, and I've done not a ton, but I've done a little bit of work with the homeless, and I've been around some of them, and I've tried to talk to them and try to help some of them. One of the main things that I see, and I, I mean not just a little bit. I'm talking about almost every homeless person that I've ever had contact with was a a serious addict, alcohol or drug. So, yes, you do enough drugs, you drink enough alcohol— you have mental and emotional problems, which will tend to 
exasperate the problem uh, of that you already have leading to homelessness and prolonged homelessness. So the underlying cause most always is um, uh, addiction, addiction problems. And I know a lot of people don't want to deal with that. No, all they need is a house. Let's go build them cheap houses and put them in there. You know what? Uh, this is just the truth up here. I don't know why I'm talking about the homeless right now. That's not what I'm trying to talk about right now, but this is it. But uh, most of the, say, restaurants, gas stations, even churches up here that have people around during the day, the churches and such, keep their bathrooms locked or they put those little digital codes, you know, customer only type of thing so that homeless people can't just walk in, use the bathroom, walk out. Not because any of these people are mean, cruel, wicked, evil people. You know, you don't look right, so you can't come in. That's not the issue at all. Even at Butler's, we had to put a big old sign up there for customers only. Not because somebody would come in there and use the bathroom and, and go. We didn't care. But they would come in and sometimes spend hours in that bathroom and completely destroy the bathroom and walk out. This this happened uh, at our church, and this goes back a few years. We had a little coffee and tea bar uh, in the uh, entryway of, of our church so that the people that come in can grab a cup of coffee or make a cup of tea because we always had prayer before service and, and people were there and talking and praying and doing all kinds of things. So I used to make it nice. Sometimes we'd put out some pastries, but we'd have, you know, pastries, coffee, tea. And we had this rack. It was about, I don't know, two foot square by two foot square, a rack of all different types of flavors of tea in this rack. So it was nice looking, but it was just easy for people. If I want chamomile, grab the chamomile. If I want peppermint, get the peppermint, whatever it was. And we had the sign up there, you know, actually we didn't have a sign saying free tea. We just had the sign up there. So this, uh, what appeared to be a homeless gentleman comes into the church and I greet him. He's in the church. I greet him and he was early. So we had a, you know, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes before the service started. And, um, I greet him and I get his name and I shake his hand and I, and I show him where the sanctuary is. And, 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 uh, cause everybody else was in prayer. Here I am, the pastor of the church doing this for this gentleman, just trying to love on him, trying to show him that, Hey, you know, you're welcome here. Showed him where the, the actual sanctuary was. And I says, you know, if you like, you can come up here, uh, um, sit on the front row if you like. You can sit anywhere you want, uh, you know, make yourself at home. Oh, and by the way, we have a coffee bar and a tea bar. And, you know, you can help yourself have a cup of tea, have a cup of coffee. And uh, I wasn't sure if there was pastries there that day. I don't think there was. And then I said, please excuse me. I have to just go finish putting together my sermon and, and we'll come. Um, I'll see you in just a few minutes. So. I go back into my office and then just a few minutes later, somebody knocks on my door and says, you know, kind of frantic and confused. And they said, some homeless guy just grabbed our tea display and walked out the door. I go, oh, well, where was he going? I don't know. He just walked down the street with all of our tea. And um, so I said, okay, let me go find out. So by the time I got out there and I looked down the street, he's, I don't know, a couple blocks down the street and I can clearly see him. He's carrying this big old tea bag display walking down the street. So... I jump in my car and I race down there and I pull the car over next to him. And he wasn't unfazed. He wasn't like, he didn't see me and then try to run. Nothing like that. And I, and I jumped out of the car. I said, sir, what are you doing? He goes, I'm, I'm just walking down the street. I go, yeah, but you stole all my tea. Oh, well, you said, go ahead and help yourself. I said, I said, help yourself to a cup of tea. I didn't tell you to help yourself to the whole display. And then he starts getting mad at me for not letting, letting him have the whole display of tea. I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous and asinine. It was, it was just over-the-top crazy. But you see, ladies and gentlemen, that's the type of mentality that um, all, not some, all of the businesses, gas stations, churches have to deal with when, I'm not saying every homeless person, of course, but there's enough of that mentality in the homeless population that every business in town is going to deal with it almost daily. Every gas station is going to deal with that almost daily. Every church that welcomes homeless people in and invites them in is going to have to deal with that daily. Another church here in town, they, uh, I went into their, their office one day because we were having some event and I just wanted to invite the pastor, he wasn't in, but I talked to the secretary and I asked, oh, is there a restroom that I could use? And she says, oh, let me go outside and, and unlock it for you because they had a restroom outside in a, in a courtyard kind of a thing. And I said, oh, thank you. And, and I, 
And she says, she just lamented. She goes, yeah, we used to leave these bathrooms open so that the homeless can come in here and get cleaned up, use the restroom, get a drink of water, whatever. He said, but we have to lock it now and, and tell them go. And I said, why? It caught me off guard at that, at that time because this was several years ago. Um, why? I, they said, because they would come in and do so much damage. One time they did upwards of $5,000 worth of damage. I mean, tearing the, the paper towel racks off the, off the wall. Um, kicking the faucets off of the sink to where water is spraying. One guy literally grabbed those, you know, those little sinks that bolt to the wall, little single seat, uh, a sink, and he grabbed it and just ripped it off of the wall. Now water spewing everywhere and everything. And they grabbed the toilet seats and ripped them off. Um, even here, um, where, but these things are, they're happening all the time. Every, this isn't just a freak thing that happens once in a while. So this lady at this this uh, church told me, yeah, after we got that all cleaned up, we just made sure that we would, okay, we're going to watch for that person that did that. They knew who it was and not allow that person in. So they did. They just watched. I don't know if he ever came back, but they would still keep it open. It wasn't long before another homeless person came in there and destroyed the bathroom. This time, not as bad, but still bad enough. And they said, no, enough's enough. If they can't even come in and respect our hospitality and respect the respect we give them, they're just not going to come in and use this anymore. And ladies and gentlemen, I couldn't tell you how many business owners have told me very similar stories. We experienced it at Butler's, not quite on that level, thank God, but we have experienced it. And I know of another place that has a pool with a change, like a, a restroom and changing area that a homeless person just kind of snuck into these grounds. They weren't supposed to be in there. Uh, I snuck in, went in there, and I, I, I don't want to, I can't get too descriptive. You know, I guess I could, but I don't want to. But basically, had some tummy issues, some stomach issues, and didn't just fill the toilet, and didn't even just maybe overflow the toilet. It was on the walls, inside the bathroom, inside the changing area, and the wall outside near the pool. This person shot excrement out their back end all over the walls, all over the changing area, walls and floor, all over the block wall outside and on the ground and in the swimming pool. Don't know how all of that got into that person. But ladies and gentlemen, this is what people deal with. Now, I said all that to basically say that when, we, when we're when we reading stories like this, this um, officer, what was she, lieutenant, that resigns because she can't even do her job because of these liberal, leftist, Democrat, progressive policies. And it ties her hands. And now she's absolutely so disgusted, not with the policies themselves, but what the policies produce. Then... Um, and we're, le we're losing good people for those reasons. Do you know how disheartening it is for a police officer or a sheriff's deputy to go to work every day knowing that they can't really do the job that they swore to do? Because even if they do, they get in trouble by their superiors. Their hands are tied. So if they don't do their job, they get in trouble because crime increases and people see that crime increases. But if they do their job, they get in trouble because they're blasted all over the news media. They're blasted uh, by the politicians, by their superiors. I don't know how these officers even go to work every day. I really don't. And as we see with this lieutenant, she just finally got fed up. 23 years on the job, 23-year veteran, ladies and gentlemen, resigned because of the nonsense that these Democrats are leaving us with creating bigger and bigger and bigger problems. So let me finish with this. Again, so um, 75,000, over 75,000 homeless people in LA. Unbelievable. The last portion of this article says, in San Francisco, violent crime is up when compared to August of last year. Homicides are up 20% to 35 homicides. Robberies are up 14% to more than 1,600. Car thefts are up 13% to more than 4,100. Police data shows. Uh, about 38,000 people are homeless in San Francisco on a given night in the Bay Area, up 35% since 2019. Crime and open-air drug use have caused businesses to flee San Francisco's downtown where foot traffic has thinned. 
Now, ladies and gentlemen, again, I wanted to read that all to you and to show you that um, because I want to also follow this up with another article from Daily Wire uh, to, well, just to kind of show you where we're at, ladies and gentlemen, to show you where we're at. And they are very much related, even though when I start reading this, you're going to say, how is this related? It's very much related because this is what we're left with, ladies and gentlemen. It's not that our, like here, we have the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department and their deputies that are patrolling. It's not that they don't want to do their job. It's not that they're doing their job. Their hands are tied by the failed policies of city officials, the failed policies of county officials, the failed policies of their superiors. I know many of these uh, deputies and they are broken hearted because they're watching that the city they love and the job that they love just go downhill rapidly go downhill rapidly as a matter of fact where i'm at los angeles county is a very you know it's a big county um big populace in la county and so my town we we have uh la county sheriff's department in our town and this is the worst city hardly anybody in in the uh, la you know the um Sheriff's Department wants to come up here. They they don't want to come up here. So they have to try very hard just to get people to come up here and work. And it's so bad. And they're understaffed. And in my opinion, very much underpaid with horrible policies. And unfortunately, a hostile, in many regards, hostile community. Not everybody, of course, but many in our community are hostile towards them. So their, their hands are literally tied. If they go stop crime, there's somebody whining and complaining and forming a group and, and protesting them for stopping a crime. If they don't stop crime, there's another group down there protesting because crime is going up. It's ridiculous what they have to live with and what they have to go through. And we're losing some very, very, very good people that just want to do their job. Anyways, let me get off that for just a moment. This article is from... Uh, written by Chase Stevens for Daily Wire, and it's entitled, Judge Janine Pirro, get a gun, learn how to shoot, and be primed to use it. And what's interesting, when I found this, I came across this, uh, this article was published December 7th, 2015. So that's what, almost uh, eight years ago? It's about seven and a half years ago, a little bit more. So this is not a new article 2015 now the reason that, that to me just stood out because there was already problems in 2015 that was ramping up for somebody like judge janine piero a retired judge to say go get a gun learn to shoot and be primed to use it so what whatever was going on in 2015 to make her say this i am sure she has not changed her mind but probably even more so would say yeah 2023, go get two guns and go get two big guns. Learn how to shoot them both and be ready to use it if you have to. So it says, uh, Fox News analysis and TV host Judge Neem Pirro opened her show with a strong statement about the reality of the times we live in. She sternly warned viewers that in these dangerous days where lunatics with death wish or dreams of caliphate are waiting to seize upon law unarmed, law-abiding citizens with rage and firepower, it's time to fully engage one's Second Amendment rights and prepare, be prepared for anything. Leftists, it goes on to say, <laughs> nearly spit out their gluten-free kale chips in horror and shock at this lunatic's statement. <laughs> That's what it says. <laughs> spit out their gluten-free kale chips in horror because... Judge Janine Pirro made this statement. Oh, she's a lunatic. <laughs> Anyways, let me say this. The Daily Coast, KOS, writes, Pirro is a perfect balance of being made out, a, made out of cow manure and hot air, but still able to hold the shape and form of an actual human being, adding that her opening remarks were just an unhidden, Islamophobic, racist, xenophobic, <laughs> pro-gun rant. Ladies and gentlemen, um, let me stop right here. I've watched Judge Deneen Pirro. I'm not a big follower of hers. I don't really follow anybody, like, adamantly. But I like her. And she's very solid. She was a judge, for crying out loud. She has seen the good, the bad, and ugly come through her courtroom. She knows the danger of gun violence. She knows the danger of it. She knows what gun violence can and cannot do. She knows this. She's lived it. She's seen it. She's had to have it in her courtroom, argued in her courtroom. 
So when someone like Judge Janine Pirro says, get a gun, learn how to shoot, and pretty much uh, her exact quote in that says, be primed to use it. Uh, I take that very seriously. So I don't know who this daily cost, daily coast, daily coosh. Anyways, I don't know who they are, but if anybody is a, how did they say it? If anybody is a perfect balance of being made out of cow manure and hot air, but still holds, still able to hold the shape and form of an actual human being, it would not be Judge Janine Pirro. It would be the writers at Daily Coast, Daily Coast, whatever. These people are idiots. These people are actual idiots. Anyway, <sighs> says the single deadliest terror attack on U.S. soil since 9-11 has happened. They're here and it's time to stop pussyfooting around and stop Time to stop this politically incorrect nonsense worrying about other people's feelings. Pull out all the stops and start fighting for the survival of this country and our way of life. You need to make a plan. How are you going to protect yourself, your family, your kids? This is not about politics. It's about being safe and it's about surviving. Now, listen, ladies and gentlemen, keep in mind, this was written in 2015. 2015. This was before all the COVID nonsense. This was before uh, homelessness really took to, has been skyrocketing. I'm sure it was bad then, but it's skyrocketing now. This was before all the crime radically increased. This is before all of these major cities started going, defund the police, defund the police, defund the police. This is before we had someone like Biden in office saying, let's just open the borders and let absolutely everybody come in unchecked. It's worse now. And that was being said in 2015. So I, I really want, so if it was important enough for a judge to tell you and I to go get a gun, learn how to use it and be ready, be primed to use it, learn how to shoot, and learn and and be ready to use it if in 2015 a judge is saying that ladies and gentlemen how much more would judge janine Pirro say that today and many probably many other judges i remember seeing not too long ago that a sheriff please forgive me i don't remember exactly what city or state he was from but basically said the same thing to everybody it's time for the american populace everybody should go get a gun learn how to use it and be ready to use it because of the way things are going and the way that our police departments and our sheriff's departments have their hands tied by our local representatives, our local politicians and city council and, you know, all kinds of all the people in in all levels of government are tying the hands of our uh, police departments. And now and, and then it's funny. I was just reading some articles about the FBI who killed that uh, older gentleman and uh, how the police or the FBI has been weaponized against the American people. They're now the FBI is now. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, if you do a little bit of history research and know history, the Ku Klux Klan was put together um, by the Democrat Party. And the Ku Klux Klan was the strong arm, if you will, of the Democrat Party back in the late 1800s and then it, that it continued even into the 1900s and uh so they were the strong arm of the democrat party well things have changed a little bit no longer is the ku klux klan the strong arm of the democrat party now it's the fbi and the doj so if the democrat party can't convince your local police department or sheriff's department to be their strong arm um, they'll just tie their hands so they can't do much at their level and they don't really worry about it because they have the FBI and the DOJ on their side. So when it when I say I'm pro-police, pro-sheriff's department, pro-sheriff's deputy, pro-law enforcement, it's the ones that are truly enforcing the laws of our land. I'm for them. I will certainly speak out against any officer, any deputy, any station, any department that is then breaking the law for their own sake instead of protecting the law and keeping the law and keeping us safe within the boundaries of the law. It, 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 so the FBI and the DOJ, unbelievable what they have become. Unbelievable. Anti-American, not just un-American, anti-American, anti-law, unless, of course, they're going to defend the law that benefits them but not certainly not you and me anyways let me let me get on this i'm getting so far off i'm just so frustrated with all this uh anyway judge Nimpiro says this is not about politics it's about being safe it's about surviving the plan number one get a gun 
buy one legally. Learn how to shoot and be primed to use it. I don't care if you get a long gun, a handgun, a revolver, a semi-automatic. Get whatever gun you can handle and don't let anyone talk you out of it. The Second Amendment to the Constitution of the United States Supreme Court confirm your right to have one. Let me read that again, ladies and gentlemen. The Second Amendment to the Constitution and the United States Supreme Court confirm your right to have one. If you live in some place like New York or California, you might be thinking, no, 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 it's against the law. Listen, the laws that are in California against your right and your ability to not only own a a firearm, but carry a firearm, all of those laws are unconstitutional. It goes directly against the Second Amendment. And not just once, but several times, the Supreme Court of the United States of America has ruled that those laws, so, so-called laws, are unconstitutional. You can look this up and please do some research on this. You know, I'm not saying, ladies and gentlemen, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying if you if you strap your big old John Wayne 45 on your hip and carry it around loaded that they're not going to hassle you or worse. I'm not I can't promise that because California is crazy like that. I'm just saying you absolutely have the constitutional right to keep and bear arms. The Supreme Court recently stated that yet again, citing that all of these laws and rules are unconstitutional if it restricts your right and my right and my ability, your ability to own and bear a firearm. I'm not telling you to go run out there and, and think you're play Yosemite Sam. This is not a an action movie, right? Uh, I'm not telling you to do that. I'm just telling you, I totally agree with Judge Janine Pirro. That every one of us now, things are getting so bad and our representatives are allowing it and creating it. But things are getting so bad that each and every American, you know, um, maybe not little baby children, but you get, you understand what I'm saying. Every legal American, legally able to, 18 and older, should know, should have a firearm and know how to use it. And I'm not saying being stupid. I'm talking about going down and getting some real-world training, learning how to shoot it, how to store it, how to load it, how to clean it, um, how to carry it um, uh, safely, and be ready to use it if they need to. Now, understand again, I'm a realist. I know this. If I just strap uh, a sidearm and I started walking around or I grabbed... Uh, you know, a rifle and I started walking around outside with it. Oh, I'm going to be hassled big time, big time. I'll probably be arrested and thrown in, in jail and they will be, um, they'll be arresting me based upon unconstitutional laws. So I'm not telling you to do that. I'm not telling you to do that, but certainly you should have a firearm in your home that if somebody starts kicking in that door at three o'clock in the morning, You can protect yourself, protect your family, protect your home. So I agree with this completely. Anyways, let me go on with this. So number one, basically get a gun legally, learn how to shoot it, be ready to use it. Number two, it's time to weaponize your local police. They are the first line of defense in this Islamic terrorist war against us. And I agree with this. If you watch the San Bernardino uh, attack unfold, you understand these jihadists uh, were not going to stop with one attack. The local police are the ones who took down these Islamic terrorists and stopped a further massacre. Your local police, like the cops in San Bernardino, 300 of them running towards the danger, openly stating, I'll take the first bullet. These are your defenders. These remarkable men and women in blue are our heroes who don't think twice about taking a bullet for you. So this again was written in 2015. But ladies and gentlemen, you know, you say, well, that's that that happened then, all that Islamic stuff, terrorism stuff, it's over, it's not happening now. Well, no, but crime is rising everywhere else. And with an open border, I was again, I, I've been doing some research on on that, and just recently, uh, they they had set up some like trail cameras. Those are cameras that just stay there and they take pictures and they video. And they took some video and some pictures of four armed with AR-15 style rifles, four men coming up over the, the Mexico border into, I believe it was Arizona. I want to say it was Arizona. It may have been Texas, but nonetheless, into, into the United States of America. And all four of them were also wearing bulletproof vests. 
military-style bulletproof vests. And so when they saw the video, the uh, the people who had that camera out immediately called Border Patrol. Border Patrol raced down there, you know, um, to, to try to round up these guys, but they couldn't find them. So you know what that means, ladies and gentlemen. There are four gunmen, four gunmen here illegally with AR-style weapons and body armor here illegally. Do you think they came here for a better life? Do you think they came here because of how bad it was in Mexico in the sense of they just can't find work and they want to feed their family? Do you think they came here to be a part of the American dream? If you think that, you're a fool. They came here for for criminal activity. I'll just leave it at that. Whatever they were part of, whatever they were doing, that is extremely it's not it's not just not bad enough that they came here illegally but they brought in illegal weapons and all of these things certainly bent on harming people so somewhere in the united states of america are these four men that are armed with extremely deadly weapons and they have body armor and uh how are you going to protect yourself if you get between them and their target or you become their target for one reason or another how are you going to protect yourself when they kick your door down in the middle of the night? How are you going to protect yourself if they try to carjack you? How are you going to do that if you're not armed? If you don't know how to protect yourself and your family, you'll be the next um, statistic. You'll be the next news story of how there was a somebody carjacked or did a home invasion and killed everybody in the home. I'm not trying to paint such a horrible, bleak picture, just a real one. This happens all the time. Don't let it happen to you. So anyway, so, so she says the, the plan. Number one, we already read. Number two, we just read. Number three, we need to close the borders from Mexico and from Canada. Pure and simple. Saeed Farouk and Tash Fien Malik have set the precedent by showing the world it can be done on American soil. There needs to be a halt to the in, I, issuance of visas. I don't care if it's business visa or vacation visa, an education visa, uh, a fiance visa. Do they have those? 90-day visa? Stop. These people do not have a right to be here, period. End of story. Now, again, this is a federal judge, ladies. Or a, I, I'm sorry. I don't know if she was federal. I believe she was. But a judge. Judge Janine Pirro. Now, um, I have a little bit different take on this. Just my opinion. I'm not a judge. This is my opinion. Let's finish the wall. Let's finish the wall. Let's issue visas, but let's issue visas to people we know exactly who they are, why they're here, what they're going to do here, their background. Do they have a criminal background? Do they have a, are they just decent, real world people? We'll let them in. If they're not, uh, kick them out. Anyways, number, we're up at five, yeah. No, number four. We must stop the refugee settlement program immediately. I don't want to hear that it's not who we are. I know who we are. We are a nation founded on Judeo-Christian ethics. I don't need anyone to tell me that I have to take in somebody because they want to change the political demographics. Need I remind anyone that we don't have the ability to vet them, and even when we do, we don't know what the what the heck we're doing. Example: the how does how do you say this when the the Sarnayev brothers, the Boston bombers. We gave the family political asylum and they thanked us by killing, dismembering, and uh, blinding innocent Americas. Yeah, I do remember that one, the Boston bombers. So they, they sought political asylum. We gave it to them. And how did they thank us? By bombing during the Boston Marathon. So ladies and gentlemen, again, this is real world stuff. This stuff happens even on American soil. And it's starting to increase. These school shootings starting to increase. Mall shootings starting to increase. Bombings at such places like the marathons and such starting to increase. You need to be able to protect yourself. Arm yourself with knowledge. In order to confront the enemy, you must know who the enemy is. Since our commander-in-chief won't even call them what they are, Islamic terrorists, again, keep this in mind, this was in 2015. Some things have changed and some things haven't. Our commander-in-chief won't even call them Islamic terrorists but instead prefers to preach uh, what Islam is and isn't and what we shouldn't denigrate all Muslims based on the actions of few, while he's willing to denigrate all gun owners and take away our rights based on the actions of a few. 
That's so true, ladies and gentlemen. You need to recognize the danger. Call, uh, talk to your neighbors. Create organizations to stay current on questionable behavior, and not just in your community, but around the country. We're told to say something when we see something, but don't say anything against people who act suspiciously, who happen to be Muslim, because that would be Islamophobic. Farouk and Malik's neighbors said nothing when they saw something because they were fearful of being called Islamophobes or racial, racially profiling. That's the plan, folks, to shut us up. When our own Attorney General, Loretta Lynch, again, 2015, ladies and gentlemen, trumpets her greatest fear is that anti-Muslim rhetoric will lead to violence against Muslims the day before the FBI calls the massacre of 14 Americans a terrorist act, we've got a problem. I'm here to tell you it's part of the Islamic terrorist plan. If we are stopped from saying something against Muhammad, the Muslim's religion, or Muslims in general, then Sharia law is already here. We are living in a dangerous time. The jackals are at the door, and that's my open. Now, again, ladies and gentlemen, some things have changed a little bit. Uh, I'm not saying we still don't have to uh, be concerned with Islamic terrorists. We certainly do. We, we all remember 9-11 and the horror of 9-11 and all these other attacks on American soil. So that's very real. And again, it could happen any moment. But we also have an increasing... Uh, homelessness problem and again it's not all homeless people that are that are uh, violent or criminals but enough of them that it says yeah i need to be armed i need to protect myself protect my family uh crime is certainly on the rise especially if you're in your democrat controlled area and uh you could be sitting at home and this we we hear reports of this all the time people just sitting at home watching tv nine o'clock ten o'clock at night and somebody just kicks the door in and runs in and starts beating up the occupants of the home and then robs them sometimes just runs in and kills them well if that type of thing happens how are you going to defend yourself oh i'll just call the police well the police in these cities are unmanned they're i mean they have fewer people their hands are tied and they're so busy with other calls. Remember, in my last episode, I believe it was my last episode, there was a lady that was assaulted right on the street in the Bay Area. And it took somewhere like 20-some-odd minutes for the, for the police to get there. And they apologized and said all of us were busy with other serious um, calls. And we still have a backlog of calls we're still trying to get to. And this lady was sitting on the curb all that time waiting for the police as she's literally bleeding because of an assault against her from somebody that appeared, ladies and gentlemen, to be homeless. So this isn't about anti-Islam or uh, um, anti-homeless or anti-whatever. This is about common sense. Our world is getting more and more dangerous because our politicians, especially, are getting more and more weak. And they don't care. They all live in, in, in gated communities. And they all are protected by armed security guards the, the the president and congress and all them have the secret police you have uh here in in california the governor has the state police protecting him they don't care about us they don't care about us we have our local sheriff's department here but again i have to give i, I appreciate them because they do work hard but i also don't count on them not because of any fault of their own but because they are so overworked and understaffed that now I realize I've got to take care of my own family, my own home, my own business. I have to take care of it. And that means part and parcel, going and getting myself a firearm, learning how to use it, and standing up against all this nonsense. So anyways, uh, even Judge Janine Pirro would agree with all of that. She's the one that put it out. And again, that article was written, this just blows my mind. I know I've said it over and over, 2015. And there were some things going on then that was crazy. But now, it's even crazier. So ladies and gentlemen, please take the advice of Janine Pirro. Understand the times that we're living in. Understand what's going on. And not only make a difference at the ballot box, of course. Let's vote these, these, <laughs> let's vote these left-leaning Democrats out completely and, and you know send them packing. But in the meantime, between now and the time things actually get better, arm yourself, get a plan, protect your family, Everybody in your family that's able to use that that weapon, whatever you choose to purchase, you know, go down there and talk to some some people that really know about firearms, the best types of firearms for the best, you know, for these situations for home use and such. And, you know, get one of those and then do a family outing a few times 
Go learn how to shoot it. Go to a school, a training grounds or a training school that'll teach you how to use it in those types of situations. There's plenty of them out there and they're fantastic. It could save your life, protect your life and protect your family. So please do that. Take a giant step forward and let's put a stop to this, ladies and gentlemen, once and for all. Let's stand up, protect our own and put a stop to all this nonsense and show the world show our elected officials and show even our police departments that one we're with you the officers but we're standing up we don't care what you say we don't care what you do i'm not talking about the police department i'm talking about the politics the politicians you can say whatever you want we're going to protect ourselves we're going to stand up take advantage of our second amendment's rights and protect ourselves so we will keep and bear arms we will protect ourselves we will learn how to use it, and we will fight. Thank you for choosing Table Flippers Podcast. To find our merchandise page, go to gwcclancaster.org. Then find the Table Flippers link, click on it, and it will take you right there. Until next time, have a fantastic day. Say goodbye, Chippy. Goodbye!